You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, we bring in Brandon Vogel as he joins us at Brandon Vogel on Twitter. He's uh, hunkered down in his football office. Vogue's realignment, the theme this morning from the Hollywood to the West Wing as Washington and Oregon uh, now joining the Big Ten. Cranach's been there. I know you've traveled out and covered Nebraska games at both spots and interested to get your response from a macro and a micro standpoint, the effect on Nebraska. Uh, any twinge of sadness for you with the uh, – result of, of where the Pac-12 is right now? Any eulogy words? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's it's sad from just a like national college football perspective. Um, I mean, that was the Conference of the West Coast. And sure, it hadn't, it's football fortunes, I guess, <clears throat> hadn't been, hadn't been the best. I mean, uh, the Big Ten added USC and UCLA and everybody's mind kind of instantly went to Oregon and Washington. Um, and it, it took a little longer than I think expected and kind of happened under very strange circumstances, but the big 10 finally added some, some pac 12 teams that have made a playoff now. Um, so that's nice, <laughs> even though the, the LA schools were the, the big ticket item, I suppose, yeah. but like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how quickly this, this fell apart. It's, it's like a, a, a panic Panic buying, panic selling. I'm not sure. It depends on which side of the perspective you're on or which side of the transaction you're on, I guess. But a conference that's been around for a long, long time is basically just gone effectively um, overnight. And credit to the Big Ten for for getting Oregon and Washington. Like those are strong additions that I think, you know, make a good deal of sense pretty instantly to to everyone. But. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll mourn the Pac-12 a little bit, a conference that, you know, I had no direct connection to. I just liked <laughs> liked uh, college football kind of the way that it was when it was very much a regional sport. You know, and that's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Brandon. It's like I kind of saw it as like a foregone conclusion. I've been preparing myself for this inevitability for a while, I guess. Um, but to your point, yeah, the, the regional aspect – it, you know, it's it's one thing to stereotype, like yeah, West Coast they're soft, and all, all they do is throw the ball around. They don't play defense. They're fast. What's what what's funny about it though is that it's like everybody kind of does live up to their those general not everybody, but you, they do kind of generally live up to those stereotypes. And so it's a huge. It takes an outlier like a Pete Carroll to come in, and install this super physical nature. Washington had that for for a couple years, but truly they were. A, they play a very different brand of football collectively uh, compared to the rest of the country. Do you think that leaves now that a lot of those teams are coming here or does that style just kind of come to the conference? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, And I guess, you know, maybe Nebraska is a pretty good case study because it's been through so much change. Like, 
I don't know if you would have described Nebraska's style as classically Big 12 at the point that it left, left that conference, but it certainly wasn't classically Big 10, and we haven't seen it be classically Big 10 really to to this point. So there's there's kind of an argument there for like, yeah, maybe the like, you know, regional quirks of, of college football programs do sort of remain in place. Um, because in in another part of this is as college football has moved into its spread era, like some of these teams, like Oregon had a definable identity, you know, yep. uh, certainly with, with Chip Kelly. But some of these teams are in just variations of much the same type of offense, yet still, um, and they're pulling coaches from all over the country, yet still you kind of had those things where like, yeah, well, if, if you – if I were to list you like three traits and say this team is from what conference, you probably would be able to, with decent enough accuracy, say oh, that's probably a Big Ten team or that's probably a Pac-12 team. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I, I do think there is some kind of residual regional regionalness uh, to these programs, no matter what conference they're in. Brandon, I think the best way to phrase this 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 brief topic of conversation here is is the Big Ten going to have to adjust to Washington and Oregon? <laughs> you know, um, top rope, or, uh, 8-10 Central Standard Time. Um, no, uh, I don't really think the Big Ten has had to adjust to any of the new members it's added so far. Uh, it didn't really with Penn State, though that one was, you know, made the most sense. Uh, it hasn't had to adjust to Nebraska, and certainly not Maryland or Rutgers at this point, so... It's going to be it's going to be interesting, you know, before before the Oregon Washington news yesterday. I know we've talked about kind of Lincoln Riley at USC in the past and he's got them on a on a pretty good track, but then do you go back to so let's say USC has another like 10 and 2 or maybe even better year this year. Um, that's where they're coming into the Big 10 at. Well, at that point, like Lincoln Riley's kind of Lincoln Riley Oklahoma. He's got things up to that level again. But then you go back to, well, why couldn't Oklahoma get over the hump in the playoffs? You know, you face these physical defenses, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but I, I do not think uh, – I think the onus is on the newcomers still. Yeah. Brandon Vogel with us here this morning, weekend edition of Hale Varsity. So Vogue's going to switch from the expansion to uh, week one of fall camp. Nebraska uh, has been through it and uh, they're going to continue to grind away takeaways here from Nebraska's first week. Anything stick out to you from either of the coordinators or any of the players? I know we had fun talking about that running back room, the guy versus the committee earlier this week, and, and also just some of the uh, the sights we, we've been able to see after practice, and that is just the – the, the makeover uh, body-wise with some of the defensive linemen. Yeah, I think that was maybe the biggest one. And, you know, I think it was Terrence Knighton who was talking about it uh, during the week about just how body body types have changed. Uh, I think you basically put it as their, their big guys got a little bit smaller and their small guys got a little bit bigger. Um, <laughs> and, and you kind of pair that up with something that Satterfield said about, you know, they're looking for positionless football was actually watching that South Carolina Tennessee game from last year yesterday, which is kind of like uh, the lead item, I think on, on Satterfield's resume. And 
I don't know why I hadn't thought of it or hadn't clicked with me before, but like when, when Satterfield says we're going to run a pro style offense, like he's not talking Bill Callahan. He's talking, talking about like today's pro style offense. Like hmm. it was very, it felt to me very kind of Kansas city chiefs, maybe not as much, you know, okay. fun and frivolity as, as we see from the chiefs sometimes, but there were a lot of, a lot of handoffs to, to slot, slot receivers, uh, wide receiver pass, a lot of different, um, formations and and it worked it knocked tennessee out of out of playoff contention essentially now granted that was one game and that offense wasn't like humming along all season but um so i remain excited for for the offense at this point it's been a pretty quiet i would describe it as as fall camp which is the only thing you ever want you want the quietest fall camp possible um and you made it through six days so far so so hopefully they can keep that going is Mike Riley's offense what we thought it was coming in? Is that a good comp? Because that was yeah, pro maybe. style, but a lot of end arounds, a lot of handoffs to. Slot. Yeah, I, I think I think so. You know, and I think really anything where where you see where the NFL has been influenced by the college game, which for like most of the sports history, like it, yeah, that was a one way street. Things didn't go that way. Like things came down from the NFL, um, but you know nobody was running option it was running. You know, so. Um, that's that's kind of been a new development, and it, it kind of goes to, I mean, I, maybe there's a broader topic here that's that's not for right now, but it's it's a little bit of analytics and the optimization of football, as you know, a lot of colleges run a very similar concepts. You know, there are less definable. Well, they run the option and they run a wishbone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Same thing's kind of happening in the NFL. It's just because it's like, well, these are the plays and these are the formations and these are the things that kind of create the the optimum upside. So that's where you go. It's interesting you say that. I, I kind of, I, I think Oregon had a lot to do with that. They were they were the extreme, right? They were the edge case. Nobody went to that level, but it did show people. And I th- I'm surprised at how quickly that trickled down to the high school level, even in even in places like conservative football omaha you know mid 2000s everybody's running the pistol right it just it it really did change i think that's probably why the, the nfl almost had to adapt because all the best players coming through dude they ran pistol they ran shotgun they ran spread they didn't know how to do the tom brady under center stuff like they just, they just don't know how to do it so, like, the NFL was forced to adapt, and you could trace that probably back to Oregon, which is pretty crazy. No, I, I mean, I think there's a pretty direct through line there because, you know, and I remember, like, I'm not a huge NFL draft follower, but, you know, when when Tom Brady is still the best quarterback in the game or was one of the top two or three at 42 years old, you know, people start asking, well, where are all the quarterbacks? And then people start realizing, well, a lot of these guys – in high school, we're never under center, depending on which college program they went to. We're never under center. Um, so it kind of created a, a little bit of an issue there. And now, you know, I think somebody like Patrick Mahomes, of course, represents a full like new era for, for NFL football in terms of what they're what they're doing offensively and what kind of guy you want you want behind center in that game. Brandon Vogel with us here on weekend edition of, of Hale Varsity. Whenever you mention that Chiefs offense, and I, I think about Marcus Satterfield's campaign 
Uh, his personal crusade, I think, is what he called it for the huddle. You think about that ring around the rosy moment from the Chiefs, and I, I still get angry thinking about that, uh, the Chiefs and how they've run through the AFC West. But I wonder if there's any ring around the rosy moments for this Husker offense next season. <laughs> um, I, I hope we get one, um, but I, I guess I'll be surprised if if we end up. I mean, the huddle thing's interesting. You know, he came out so strong with that, um, and we'll we'll see how much Nebraska. If it, if it truly is an every down thing, like you've got to use tempo. I mean, I think that's the other lesson is like Oregon recognized the edge of, of going that fast um, earliest and other teams have, have sped up. But now so many teams have gotten to the point where they can do that. that I think there there is an advantage to being able to just maybe do both um, to be able to slow the game down when you want to um, because it's – it's just going fast isn't the edge that it once was. Bogues, I want to get your thoughts on Nebraska's safety spot. You're running a 3-3-5. That 3-3-5 had a 11-game starter in Miles Farmer. Miles Farmer in the portal. And your reaction to the bodies available for Mr. White and that defense and how big of an impact you think the departure is? Um, I mean, I, I liked Miles Farmer a lot as a player. I liked him a lot as a recruit. Um, hmm. And I, you know, finally in this past season, you know, felt like he was approaching the point where, where I thought he could be, which, you know, I thought coming out of high school, he was a solid like three three year contributor, probably a starter, which was where he was and where he was headed. Um, so, you know, that, that's always going to sting a little bit. That said, with this being a year one scenario, um, we could say Nebraska had four, well, really five, if you throw Griffin in there, uh, starters returning in the secondary. I was never totally sure, or at least I never heard enough from the coaches through spring and now to think that, well, those are your five. Like, I feel like there was still right. some jockeying to be done. So this kind of, like it wasn't like that was in ink necessarily. I'm not sure anybody's in ink at this point. And you look at, you know, two guys come to mind immediately for me, Omar Brown. He's another guy who I liked a lot coming from Northern, Northern Iowa. Um, and really kind of haven't seen as much as I, I thought maybe, you know, his, his ceiling allowed for, but there's still time. And, and now maybe there's even a better opportunity. Um, Singleton, another guy who like physically really impressive, really intriguing, um, that said, neither of them were playing that spot over Farmer before. But that's one where I think, you know, a scheme switch and, and kind of a, a mentality switch might, might help those things. So we're kind of uh, entering some shifting positions, but I think we might have been entering it midstream anyway. I uh, took the boy to Fan Day last weekend. All and, right. Uh, they, they moved that inside to the cook, which was nice. So you weren't baking out in the on the turf um really good turnout of course and the only the only lines we got through were uh wide receiver and db and just a couple observations for for what they're worth and love to you know hear any kind of comments based on that but i i was struck by especially on the db line i don't have the numbers in front of me but how many just scholarships are allocated to defensive backs I just remember going through those lines before, and I'm I'm guesstimating here, 
but it was sort of like you had like a dozen or so scholarship guys and like 10 to 12 walk-ons. You probably have 18 scholarship guys um, in in the DB room just, and they kind of fit a certain athletic profile. You got some impressive looking players there. Um, Tommy Hill, by the way, who I I was not, uh, (laughs) we've talked about it on, on the show, but you know, I, I think the biggest reason why he didn't play before was that he just didn't appear to like be interested in tech. He made business decisions when it came to tackle, basically, <laughs> you know, but physically up close, he sticks out. He stands out amongst all those other scholarship DBs. He is physically, he's really well put together. And then I saw something similar on the receiver in the, on the receiving line, right? Like there were just, it just feels like you have more, actual scholarship guys and maybe that's you know through attrition and transfer portal whatever else but i I don't know it just feels like overall the constitution of the team is much much less reliant on walk-ons than it has been in a in a really long time there's still walk-ons but they just don't seem as dependent on it and you would think that could lead to just better production across the board, better competition across the board. And I'll tell you, physically, Nebraska is not wanting for anything. They, they, they have the bodies. They have the range of, of sizes that you would want. Um, it's, it's overall a pretty impressive kind of skill group between those two. 18 scholarships before the departure of Miles Farmer. Think about uh, that, man. Is, think is think about number. that. And you're only going to have five on the field at once. Yeah, that's 13 but, scholarship players that ain't on the field. Like, that's that's serious competition. Well, right let, let's not pull a Scott Frost and forget about special teams here. That's Defensive true. backs, key contributors in the, in the special teams room. Yeah, sure. That's a very good point. Thanks, but Elijah. With the, with the scholarship options, I mean, I, Vogues, get your thought on this. I think Nebraska is going to be hell-bent on, on the, the depth part of things. I mean, that's what rules talked about. You're going to need that in, in all spots. So you may have your 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 key five, but you're going to have five guys as those two deep guys, and they'll need to be able to, to handle their business like the starters would be. I'm interested in a Corey Collier, uh, the, kid, the kid out of Florida, uh, that, that was a high-level recruit. I, I like the mention of Singleton. Uh, you wonder uh, about a guy uh, in, in Kobe Bretts. I mean, he's kind of that that hybrid body type from West Side that I'm excited about. So you'll need to be able to to do well in man coverage, but also uh, not be a liability as a run stopper if you're in that safety spot. I mean, it all kind of morphs into one, even though they're specific positions and jobs. 11 scholarship receivers, by the way, just counted it up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, numbers are always going to be a little bit heavier at those two spots. You know, you'll look at, um, depending on which kind of defense you're running, but 3-3-5, you've got two more DBs, quote-unquote, on the field than either other level. Um, wide receivers, you know, uh, if you if you don't use a ton of tight end, which Nebraska will, you know, you're getting three, sometimes four of those guys on the field at the same time. And, and the other part of it is, is I think, um, you know, if you're a power five level football recruit, 
who's say six one and 180 pounds, what are you? You're, well, you're probably a wide receiver or a defensive back. Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys can come in and you know it, become tight ends, become linebackers, etc. Et so the, the key thing I think where Nebraska needs to get to is okay, they've got 18 scholarship DBs. Um, and we can run through the names and, and talk about what what has to happen or can't happen um, or, or what needs you know can't happen right now. You really got to get to a point where you've got a little bit of a succession and, and the distribution of those 18 scholarships. Right now, we can look at you know the four remaining starters and be like, okay, you feel pretty good. And then at that point, we're talking about somebody like Singleton, who we haven't seen a ton of, or Corey Collier, who didn't play a ton beyond special teams at Florida. Omar Brown hasn't found a consistent time. So you really want to get to a place where there's, there just seems like a little bit more of a natural succession. Um, that said, it's tough. I mean, really what you need is for guys to develop and become really good and then leave early for the NFL. Like it's bad at the moment, <laughs> but it's good for you long-term. Uh, I think on multiple fronts. Brandon, what do you think Nebraska needs uh, from a play standpoint from that defensive back room this year? They, they lost an experienced guy in Miles Farmer. I think the Husker coaching staff feels good about some of those guys that they have waiting in the wings, guys that can step up. What do you think Nebraska needs from a, a play point of view? Because it's kind of hard to, to quantify in metrics uh, what a, a defensive back room is whenever it's it's elite, whenever it's very good. The, the metrics are hard to quantify, but you can see it based on the eye test, what, at least in my opinion. So what, what do you want to see from that defensive back room here in year one under rule? Charles Woodson. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you I think you'd take that if you if you got one of those those walking around. Um, well, here's one where I think the farmer departure in particular has the potential to, to sting a little bit um, long term is okay, three three five, we know it's gonna shape, it's gonna morph, they're gonna be very creative and, and move things around, but at a base level, that's that's a six-man box, which it's rarely going to be that mm-hmm. in practice. But you, you're going to need those those defensive backs to tackle. They're five-month field. You, you know, it's it's almost half of your defense. Miles Farmer, the second on the team in tackles, like he was your kind of low safety. Um, so that's going to be, I think, point number one. I think with a defense that so at Syracuse, Tony White had a pretty high blitz rate um, at least last year. Um, so you're going to try and be creative and put pressure on people. Like if you want to talk about a metric that uh, I like for, for kind of the secondary, it's just pass breakups or passes defended, which includes interceptions. Like the only way to consistently like increase your takeaways via interception is just get, get your hand on the ball. And, and it's a fairly consistent rate. Like 20% of your passes defended should be interceptions. So you get, you know, 50 of those, that, that's 10 interceptions. If you only got 30, then, um, well, I should have picked a better number because I can't do the 20% math <laughs> in my head. But six. There it is. Wow. I was fast. There's a reason none of us were math majors, but I was impressively quick for not being a math major. I'll tell you what. Last thought, Vogues. We'll get you out. Where would you put Kalen DeBoer if you had to place him right now? on your uh, your list of Big Ten coaches, where would you rank him? Yeah, it's it's still a little bit early, but I've liked A lot him early, a, sorry. I've liked him for a long time. In fact, like, at, you know, bef- you know, 
before knowing, you know, what we've come to know about Matt Rule over the past eight months, or even knowing if Nebraska could get him, like when I sat back and looked at it, my kind of like, who's who's one of the best potential gifts Nebraska could could land, and DeBoer was up there, and you know, and that's largely based on projection. Um, they had a great first year at Washington. I think walked into a situation that was complicated with what happened to Jimmy Lake, the former head coach there, but maybe wasn't as bad as their results that, that Jimmy Lake season. And, you know, he got a quarterback he was familiar with, but you look back to what Indiana has been, you know, post DeBoer's departure and what he did at Fresno state. Um, and then, you know, at, at Sioux falls. So like there was, there was kind of, I know that's, that's not, it's not Nebraska, but it's, it's pretty darn close. So he's a, he's a Midwest guy. He, he, I mean, he definitely, I would put him in the top half of the big 10 coaches, you know, mm-hmm. going into 2024 and, and we'll see what Washington's able to do this year. This will be, you know, this will be a tougher challenge because now they're expected to be good. Um, but I think they will be. Well, they go to East Lansing this year. So you're going to get a preview potentially of, of how they match up with a kind of a throwback, gritty, traditional big 10 team. Vogues, enjoy your weekend. You putting anything on the smoker? Uh, I haven't decided yet. It's actually a li- it's relatively cool here for, for what it has been. So it might be the day. I might even get something figured out. Okay. Well, send it. Send a pick. All right. Will do. Thanks, Thanks guys. About, 